Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the latest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Andy, we have been planning these special podcasts for a while, so I'm finally glad that we're able to do it. Um, This time, it's my turn to sort of give you guys um, my sort of quote-unquote dream team uh, for next season. So... Uh, just to kind of preface these next few podcasts off, Andres, Sam, and I will be going through and pretending as if we are Todd Boley, Rena Granovskaya, Peter Cech, Bruce Buck, Thomas Tuchel, and all the youth academy coaches and all the loan advisors all rolled up in one. <laughs> so uh, we basically get to build our dream team heading into next season. So um, today's my turn. I'm excited for this, man. But... Uh, you know, I guess before we get started, Andy, I'll just go by saying this. Before I tell everybody what my dream team is, this does not mean that I think Chelsea will have this team next season. This is <laughs> perfect fucking world. So that's for another podcast. But this is honestly, if I was, um, you know, running things at Chelsea Football Club, this is the team I would go after. Andy, take it away. How you doing, man? Well, we're recording this right after the Liverpool match, so a little bit deflated, not going to lie. 120 minutes and losing in pens can take it out of you. But we will be dropping that podcast on another time, maybe before this, maybe after this, I don't know. But Zach, you've been recently hired by Todd Bowley as the director of football. We are going into a crazy summer after all the sanctions. The team is already... Losing a, a leader on the pitch in Rudiger. Andreas Christensen is off to Barcelona. And it looks like Aspilicueta, even though we triggered a clause, is off to Barcelona as well. So I want to start by asking you, those guys are leaving first. Those are out of your hand. Those were deals that happened before we could even make moves. How are you taking, you're taking a look at the roster now? Who are other players that you're, looking to to ship out of Chelsea? Well, the first thing I'm looking at is the wage bill and seeing what players we're utilizing and getting our money's worth and what players we're not utilizing and not getting our money's worth from. So the first name on my list is Kepa Arizabalaga. Um, Listen, no hard feelings against Kepa. Of course, there was hard feelings in the beginning. I've had my fair share of shit to say about him and it was well-deserved. But... In the last 18 months or so, he's been extremely professional. He's been, he's actually been more than serviceable. I think he's been reliable. I think that's more than fair to say. Um, and I think with that being said, he did recoup some of his transfer fee, which was upwards of 70 million. So I think we could get around 25 to 30 for Kepa in today's market. I think if we could get closer to 30, maybe even 35, if we're lucky, if we could get someone to kind of overpay for him. That will be a good business. And, of course, you turn around and, and reinvest that money in the squad. There's a ton of uh, backup goalkeepers that could be potential options, and I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but the first name on my list would be Kepa. Um, okay. I mean, that complaints there, I mean, makes sense. The guy probably wants to push for a spot at the World Cup. Uh, yeah. His stock probably is at, is at its highest that it'll be during his time at Chelsea. So Kepa is out the door, okay. Anybody else? Yes, uh, Malongsar. I don't want to elaborate on that. Um, <laughs> I don't I think, think we all know. Fans will either. Yeah, I think we all know why we want Malongsar to go. Now, whether or not it's a sale or a loan is going to be the interesting thing. Most likely will be a loan. Um, you know, get that guy to play some football, regular first-team football week in and week out, and get a decent price for him next year. Um, so he's number two. Another center back out the door. Um, number three, Marcus Alonso. Um, this is a player who has been linked to leave Chelsea. Um, you know, there's reports coming from Spain, most specifically Barcelona. There was some reports from Seville as well that they had reported interest in him. It is also a possibility that he could go back to Italy too. You know, he's going to be 32. 
he's done his job for the club. He's been a great servant for the club, and I think he's quite past it. If today's cup final showed you anything, it showed you that Marcus Alonso might not be the right player for this team or this system going into next season. So I think we could get around eight to ten million for him. Um, not really expecting the higher end of that deal. I think it'll be closer to eight just so we could kind of move him out the door. I know he's on pretty hefty wages as well. But no hard feelings with this one. It's honestly kind of bittersweet for me because the man has had some big performances. And he is on the last year of his contract, so it would make sense to cash in now rather than if we learn our lesson, let him walk to wherever the heck he wants and pocket zero cash after keeping him for what I believe is longer than we should have. Yep. Agreed. So we got Kepa, Malangsar, and Alonso. This is this is a pretty big team that you still are keeping. Nobody, any other names? Oh, there's. A, I'm not even halfway down my list. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> we got Jorginho. Um, now, right. before everybody gets their panties in a bunch, <laughs> when I was going through this list, I had to make a decision. Sell N'Golo Conte or sell Jorginho? And it is sell Jorginho. Now, look, he played really well in the cup final today. And he's had good performances for us in the past. But doesn't fit our system. He doesn't fit our playing style. And as good of a player as he is, I feel like his talents would be wasted if he stayed another year here. So reports coming from Italy that he's interested in moving back there. Obviously, there's uh, some interest from Juve. Napoli's name has been floated around as well. We've been linked with players from both of those teams. I'll get to that in a bit. But um, I think we could get... This was kind of a tough one to price him out because he is 30. But again... Also in the last year of his contract. Last year of his contract as well. But 30-year-olds in world football right now... Um, 30 is the new 28, if we can put it any other way. Just ask Tiago Silva. If you ask Tiago Silva, 30 is the new 25. Yeah, 37 um, is the new 30. Exactly. So Which I think a player, a player like him going back to Italy with the limitations he has physically could definitely play into his mid-30s. You go look at Italy, the best players in that league are in their mid-30s. Um, so Jorginho, I think we could probably get somewhere around $35 million for him. If we can really get someone to overpay, maybe closer to 35 or 40. Um, but yeah, Jorginho, sorry, buddy. Been a great servant for the club, just like Marcus Alonso. Um, I just think now's a better time than ever to sort of part ways. Okay, 35 million on Jorginho. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I can see it. It's a tough choice, but it looks, a lot of this summer looks like Tuchel is finally going to get to create an identity so yeah. some tough decisions will be made for sure and and his agent keeps going back and forth about juventus and his return to, to return to italy so mm. if the money comes why not yeah yeah that's my take on it too and and the other thing was you know if we are going to go out and buy a cdm um but we do need to keep one you know just for rotational purposes and i think having a golo conte in there not as a rotation player but as a guy who can who can easily step in in any given match and you know fill a role for us, whether it's you know in a more advanced role in the midfield where he's pressing higher, or whether you know he's sitting deeper and being you know that cleanup guy defensively. Um, another name that I'm not fussed about um, as much as Jorginho or Marcus Alonso is Ross Barkley. Let's get rid of him for anything. Let's just get his wages off of our fucking wage bill. Finally, I know he played today in the cup final. Lord knows why. I mean, he buried his penalty. Good for him. But uh, we got to get rid of the Nigerian nightmare. I think I, I think it's about time that uh, that we look for a suitable solution for him. Now, whether that's a loan or a sale, just like Malong Sar, doesn't really matter to me. The main thing is that we're leaving that squad space open for someone next year that Tuchel could actually utilize more often. I think today was only a second appearance all season, so... Uh, that, is, that is correct. I was going to leave that tidbit in my, in my uh, DOF. Pot I had that he played a whopping one FA Cup match leading up to today's match. So, yeah, yeah I, I have no further questions on Ross Barkley. Again, another player who's who's living on, uh, what's the term, like borrowed time here at Chelsea. I don't think any fan would disagree with that one. Yeah. Um, this one might be a little controversial to some. This is a guy who I thought, if he gets the right amount of playing time, could be extremely useful for us, but it's Hakeem Ziyech. Um. Again, controversial because we know what kind of talent he has. We know what kind of skills he can produce on the pitch. He's our quote-unquote magician. 
Um, I think we could get somewhere from 35 to 40 million for him. He's still in his late 20s, so you know he's right in his peak. Um, and and to be honest, Andres, not just as a Chelsea fan, but just as a Ziyech fan, removing my my Chelsea bias, he needs to move. He needs to get regular playing time. He's way too talented to uh, to be riding the bench or to be a guy that comes off the bench as a super sub. He's way too good to be a second teamer. I think he could you know easily make the starting 11 on most squads in the top five leagues uh, or most squads in the top five of the top five leagues in Europe. I think that goes without saying, you know, he pretty much improves any team that he'll play on. So it's been weird with him, you know, uh, tactically, it hasn't been the best fit. I think his limitations physically like Jorginho sort of limit what he can do and how Tuchel could utilize him. We haven't really seen him be as effective deployed as a second striker or as a number 10. He's really only been effective as an out-and-out right winger. So if we're going to be limited to that type of player, it definitely doesn't suit Tuchel's style because he does like to have his guys be very versatile in that sense. So Hakeem Ziyech, 35 to 40 million. I think that gives us good money to play with also to replace him, um, hopefully with somebody on on massive wages, a big-name signing. Okay, yeah, a lot of people might be a little upset about that one, but Ziyech definitely has the the ego at least to demand more time and, and earn it elsewhere. So 40 million, probably five mil more than we paid around, give or take. So no, no real loss on the player. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I hear your list keeps going. Yeah, it does. There's two more <laughs> names here. Okay. So, so, so all together, just so you guys know, I had eight total departures um, from this year's first team. So um, the next name, nobody will disagree with Timo Werner. 25 to 35 million, I think would be good business. Um, I would really love to package him in a swap deal for a certain somebody when I will get to a little bit later. Um, but I think Timo does need to move back to Germany again. If you're removing your Chelsea bias, I think we're all Timo fans. I think we're all rooting for the guy in general just for him to succeed because he's a trier. And and he, he ticks all the bare minimum boxes for being at Chelsea in terms of the effort, the commitment. He has had a good attitude. It just really hasn't, you know, the fire really hasn't started on his career, though, in terms of goals and assists. So um, I think a move back to Germany would probably be on the cards for him. Again, removing the Chelsea bias, it's a good move for him. It's exactly what he needs to do, in all honesty. So 25 to 35 million, if we can get closer to 35 and break even, I think that'll be great. Andres, this was an interesting one, though, because he is, what, 25 now, 26? So is there a possibility of even making money on him and then the other thing that i was considering was did he retain his value or did his value get worse as he uh continued his chelsea career i mean yeah he is 26 like you said it's a world cup year so maybe he would be the one pushing for the sale as he uh, should. maybe necessity from a team could get us to break even but more likely than not his stock probably dipped a little bit even though he is still only heading towards his prime yeah in terms of like your your players your typical player when the players are at their best oh once upon a time 35 million for Werner was a bargain (laughs) unfortunate um last name on my list Andres now this name was added after the cup final Romelu Lukaku now, it's not because he didn't score. It's not because he didn't play well. It's because if Tuchel really had plans to stick with him, he would have stuck with him for the full 120 minutes, and he would have stuck with him in the penalty shootout. It's that simple. I think Tuchel pulling him off told the whole entire story, right? They're both committed to the same cause right now. I think they're both being professional about it. Um, credit to Lukaku, which is something I haven't said all season. Um, but credit to Lukaku for at least putting his head down and playing these last couple games. I think... You know, after discussing it with Sam last pod, we had this back and forth about being confused as to whether Lukaku's trying because he wants to be here or trying because he's trying to push for a move. He's trying to advertise himself um, and build up his own stock. And we didn't really know. We said the cup final would, would, would tell us a lot. And I think the fact that Tuchel took him off and didn't stick with him for the full 120 showed a lot. Now, granted, he wasn't great today. He wasn't good. You know, I, I wouldn't say he was great. He was decent. He had his moments. He made a couple decent runs, had a couple you know, half chances. But even in those moments, you ride or die with your striker. 
and yeah. we didn't have a backup on the bench. And the fact that he took him off and put RLC on and Ziesh on um, says Doesn't a lot. Doesn't bode well so. for either Lukaku or Timo Werner there. Who, no. who do you think is on the market for Lukaku and how much are you thinking we can even get for him? It's an interesting thing. So I think the first place that you would market a guy like Lukaku would be Paris Saint-Germain or Germain, however you say it for all my Frenchies out there. But PSG would be the first name, um, mainly because they have the cash, but also they're going to be losing Mbappe. And when you think about it from their perspective, if you're their president and you lose Mbappe, you can't you can't sit there and stay embarrassed the entire summer. You have to turn around and make a big money move um, to convince fans that the intention to push for the Champions League is still there. And the rumors are that they are planning on building the team around uh, around Messi now. I think Neymar is plan B on that team, especially with, you know, the recent controversy around his quotes and the PSG fans booing him. So it's Messi's team. And if that means anything, that there's a supply line to a striker there. So I think PSG could be a good option for Lukaku. Um, and to be honest with you, I think, a, I think a team like Juve could be a really good option for Lukaku too. I know they just bought a striker like Vlahovic, but they do like to play with a, uh, a two-striker system up top. And uh, I could really see them maybe making a push for a guy like Lukaku, um, especially now that they're also linked with a guy like Pogba. You know, they're in the midst of a rebuild. They're trying to sell many of their older players. They're trying to build a younger squad that can, you know, that can sort of compete for the years to come. So I think bringing in a guy like Lukaku would be good for them. And also, what better solution to win the Serie A title than get the guy who initially took it away from you? So. Yeah. Might be a good move from them. One other name in there, Andres, that I'm going to throw out. Do not count them out. Bayern Munich. They are in search of a new center forward. Lewandowski earlier today quoted as saying he's might not be his last season. He's pretty much going to Barca. Um, so if Bayern are in the market for a new striker, we should be fully advertising Lukaku to them. My thing was, how much do we get? We're right. obviously not going to get $100 million. So I'm thinking somewhere between 60 to 70 would be a decent price. Okay, yeah. Okay, so right now you've sold our two natural strikers, just keeping that in mind. Yes. Uh, okay, so it looks like to cap it off, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players going out. And based on your business, we've made 40, 75, 75 plus, that's 110 Almost 200 million, give almost or about a 190, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, with my quick math here, mm -hmm. 190 million coming into the budget. You are now having to rebuild because we've lost. We are now down four center backs in this window. We are down to one left wing back. We lost one center mid. I'm not counting Ross Barkley because he was never really a part of it. No natural right winger. And no natural striker. But we have $190 million in the pocket. You can add that we most likely clinch top four and get Champions League money. And on top of that, the fact that we have new owners looking to splash. So let's switch to the fun part. You've sold away the Deadwood. You've sold away some surprising choices like a $100 million striker. Where are we going from here? So uh, the way I did this, Andres, is I start from back to front. Um, obviously, I mentioned that we are going to be selling Keppa, or if, if me, Todd Bowley, would be selling Keppa. Um, so we need a backup keeper. Now, in years past, we've had some success going after some of the backup keepers on teams that have been uh, relegated. And I think in this situation, we should look no further than someone like Ben Foster. We could get him on the cheap. He's a little bit up there in age, so obviously he's not going to cost that much. Won't ask for a big wage bill, but he is a decent shot stopper, and um, and he'll definitely be serviceable in cut matches or the, you know matches where Mendy might not be available. Now, the only concern with him is obviously the way he his inability to play with his feet. I think you're asking a lot out of a backup keeper to get somebody in that can do that role um, as successfully as a first team keeper. But in terms of just having that sort of veteran leadership in the locker room, um, you know, having a guy that's been around the Premier League, has played hundreds of games, just kind of just an out-and-out -out professional um, would be a good addition to the squad. This one reeks of Asmir Begovic. I'm completely aware of that. But 
to caveat it, how did that turn out for us? It was a fantastic backup feature. Yeah, my, my question worried by his YouTube channel and how often he's posting on it. <laughs> the cycling keeper or whatever. He's uh, yeah. definitely an influencer at this point. Yeah, yeah, he definitely is. But, you know, if this is a guy that, I mean, listen, if you're Chelsea, you don't have to sell the move to him at all. Hey, come make a lot of money. You'll stay injured. <laughs> you'll hardly play. And you might have a chance at winning a few trophies next year before you can hang your boots up. It's a win-win for him. You'll um, get more subscribers in your YouTube channel, too. Yeah, he'll, he'll definitely <laughs> he'll. Um, The next name on my list, I'm going to go with cover at left back or left wing back, however you want to put it. Andres, I alluded to Juve wanting to get rid of a lot of their older aging players. Alexandro, 31 years old. We've been linked with him before. There's a longstanding interest. Brazilian international, capped God knows how many times at the national team. Capped God knows how many times in the Champions League. He has probably, I would say, at least six Serie A titles. <laughs> um, but he's also in the final year of his contract. It expires in 2023. So somebody like Alexandro, past 30, expiring contract. We know the team wants to get rid of him. They've already sanctioned you know, uh, the idea of getting rid of him. So why not go after him hard? This is a perfect backup for a guy like Ben Chilwell. Let's keep in mind, you know, Chilwell is coming off that knee injury. So you're going to be asking whatever backup comes in to play a decent amount of minutes to start. I do not want Chilwell playing as much as Reese James has been playing as of late especially at the start of next season. He needs to earn his way back little by little. We need to protect him also mentally to make sure he doesn't necessarily get overwhelmed if he has two or three poor performances. I don't want to be shoehorned into playing someone like him and then eventually playing him out of form for a majority of the season, just like half the players on this year's Chelsea team were. So um, <laughs> yeah. to avoid that situation, you go after a guy like Alexandro, plays left back, plays left wing back. Uh, he's great on the ball. He fits our style in terms of a possession-based team. Um, and uh, this is a, this is a move I've been wanting for a long time. I mean, the first time we were linked with him, I think Sandro was 25 or 26 at the time, and I was excited about it. Um, obviously bumped we didn't pull it off, but this could potentially be a great move. Now, Juve has expressed interest in Emerson. Um, they've inquired about him in the past. Rumors are saying that they are also inquiring about him this window. If there's a potential swap deal on the cards there, we might be paying a minimal transfer fee, which is a win-win situation. Um, so yeah, Alexandra would be number one. Keep in mind, guys, I am fully aware of the Perisic rumors, and I am fully intent on still signing Perisic on a free as well. So don't think that signing Alexandra would rule out a Perisic signing either. Um, go, speaking of Perisic, a guy that could play with both feet, he will be coming in on the free. Um, again, a huge part of that Inter Milan potential Serie A winning side. We still have to see how that season ends. But a huge part of that team, his goal contributions come from the left, right, and center because he's able to play with both feet. He can put his foot through the ball. He could pick out a final pass. And if you look at the trajectory of his defensive, um, of his defensive work or improvement in the last three to four seasons, he's only gotten better every year. Higher tackle success rate. Um, you know, he's 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 obviously been deployed in a deeper position. He's used to being a traditional winger, but this is a guy that's comfortable tracking back and doing the dirty work in the hard yards. If you ever watch Croatia play for the national team, he puts in a fucking shift. I don't know what Croatians eat when they grow up, but whatever it is, fucking works because they're all machines. They never stop running, and Perisic is no different. So I still intend on going after that move. It would help us in the 3-4-3, obviously. It'll help us if we ever need to rotate, um, you know, one of our front winger options in a against a weaker side. Um, so Perisic all the way. I'm still fully intent on getting him. So two cover, two potential covers at left back, Sandro and Perisic. Moving on to the right, Serginho Dest. I have to throw in my American boy here, all right? Um, listen, there was a lot of other names that I had on the list. I'm not going to mention them because... I'm sure you and Sam will probably cover a few of them in your in your episodes. But this is a guy that's been linked with us previously in January. Um, you know, it, it, a weird situation going on at Barcelona where it was rumored that he had a falling out with Xavi and then got sort of frozen out of the squad for a little bit after starting 
at right wing even a few games, assisted Aguero's final goal of his career at El Clasico playing as a right winger. Um, but now he's starting to get a little bit more playing time at Barca. The situation's still a little bit unclear in terms of whether or not um, they are going to green light a move at the end of the day. I think they have other priorities first before moving Des, but if they're interested in moving him, they're also interested in a Marcus Alonso and a Cesar Azpilicueta. So maybe a little good faith deal or a potential swap deal with Marcus Alonso could, could be on the cards here. But again, with Dest, this is a guy that could play on both sides of the back four, or he can play as a wing back and a back three. We could even use him as a, as I mentioned earlier, and this is a very last resort as a potential winger. We could bring him on late in games as a defensive sub to play in that front three to shut things down. Um, so I think this would be a great pickup for us. Obviously, if you're a USA fan, you know he's not going to get the playing <laughs> time that you want. But if you're a USA Chelsea fan, why wouldn't you want this move to happen? <laughs> um, having so, another American at Chelsea would be amazing. But this is a guy that I think can add value to the squad because he's able to push forward um, and also track back defensively. So here's my question, because he, he is 25. And Barcelona bought him at around, tw- or sorry, he's 21, but Barcelona bought him at around 25. How much are you willing to pay if the swap doesn't work? Probably just about that. Listen, Barca have no negotiating power with anybody because we know they're trying to get rid of wages and they're trying to free up space to sign other players. So I feel like Barca doesn't really have the right to come in and say, we want 50 million for him. Or we want even 40 million for him. I think they could come in maybe at 30, 35. Even that might be a little bit too steep. If we can pull this deal off for anything under under 30 million, I think it would be good business because you can keep the guy in and around the squad. Um, if he plays really well, then great. You shoehorn it. You shoehorn him at a at a right back position, and then Tuchel can play Reese at center back, which he fucking loves doing for some reason. Um, and then that's a potential option as well. So again. The squad rotation here was key when I was building this team, Andres, because this year what killed us were two things. Obviously COVID, but we had injuries as well. And because of the injuries, it really highlighted our lack of squad depth, particularly at wingback. So the first thing on my list before center backs, before a CDM, before replacing our attackers like Lukaku and Timo and Ziyech, it was finding cover at the wingback positions because once Reese and Chile got injured, our whole season fell apart, and I don't think that's a coincidence. Okay, so right now you've you've gotten two out the window and left back upgraded, I'd say both, and then you're adding a player to the right side because it was Reese or nobody. I, I still don't believe Aspie was ever supposed to be playing right wing back as much as he had to this season. Yeah. So, okay, so there's depth on both sides, whether it's a wing back or a full back. Where, do you got, where are you going next? Center back, baby. Jules Koundé, it's basically a done deal. You heard it here first. Just kidding. I mean, you've heard it fucking everywhere for the last six months, 12 months. Um, look, he already had a deal agreed with Chelsea last summer. He expressed his desire to, for, uh, for Sevilla to sell him last summer. They chose not to. They played a little bit of hardball. I don't see any other solution than Chelsea getting Jules Koundé this year. Um, to be honest with you, it's a it's a signing that does excite me, Andres. The one thing that I'm slightly worried about is his size in the Premier League. He's an undersized center back. He's 5'10", pushing 5'11". Um, if you're anything like me, he's 5'11 when he's wearing shoes. Um, but again, that, that size factor is a little bit of a concern. The reason why we love Rudy and we love guys like Trevor Chalaba, guys like Thiago Silva, is because they're so physically dominant, especially in that back three. Of course, they're all no-nonsense defenders in their own right. Jules Koundé is a little bit more silky. Um, He's great at progressing the ball forward. He's very comfortable with the ball at his feet. But also, let's say a deal for a guy like Serginio Dest does fall through. This is somebody that you can play at right back, who's comfortable playing out wide. Um, He started there for France um, in in the Euros this last time around. Um, Not saying that's his best position, but it's some... It's a position that he can be uh, utilized in. So kill two birds with one stone there. He's also the ideal replacement for Rudiger on the left-hand side because he's so good with the ball at his feet like Rudiger. You can get away with not having a left-footed center back playing on the left side of that back three. So Koundé would be my choice there. Great at progressing forward. 
great at picking up progressive passes and splitting uh, splitting you know opposition midfields and breaking through you know the midfield line. Um, this is overall just a, a really really solid signing on Chelsea's part, and also somebody with huge potential upside. Um, the word around Europe is that it wasn't only Chelsea that was initially interested in him; it was all the big boys. So they're clearly seeing something in the kid, and it's no joke when you're a center back. And you make it on the French national team before you hit 23, 24 years old. So that just kind of tells you everything you need to know about him. What What's the fee you're thinking for Koundé? Well, they know we have they know we have to go after him. They know we're desperate. This is a situation where Chelsea are probably going to be forced into not necessarily overpaying, but probably paying more than we would initially want to for someone like him. I think we've been pursuing him too long to be deterred by any sort of price tag. Of course, if it's ridiculous, you say fuck no. But I'm gonna say 60 million would be yep. would be like the ballpark figure that I would assume he's worth. Um, yep. So yeah, 60 million for Kunde. Not bad business. It is a lot of money. Of course, there's a certain level of risk you're taking spending that money on a young center back. But guys, please be patient with any of these deals that I'm mentioning because. Okay. The odds are none of these guys are going to hit the ground running except for maybe one of them. And essentially, um, he has been a uh, team of the season defender for La Liga back-to-back years as well. So it's, yeah. he's not a brand new name to the scene. Mm-hmm. He was actually a name that Real Madrid was looking at prior to pursuing Rudiger. So just to give you guys you know, some perspective on it, again, it's not the same profile of player, but players that are able to fulfill the same roles in the team. Um, when asked to. So Kunde would be my choice. The other center back here, Andres, um, you know, I mentioned Kunde's youth and that it might take him a year or so to get used to the Premier League. The next guy will hit the ground fucking running. Kalidou Koulibaly. If I'm Todd Bowley, this deal is finally happening. We've been asking for it for God knows how long as Chelsea fans. This is a quote-unquote Van Dyke-esque level signing that we've been linked with. For three or four years, if De Laurentiis wasn't a cunt, we would probably be a Chelsea player by now. Um, and I use the C word for De Laurentiis because there's no other word to use for him when you're negotiating with him. Um, we remember the Jorginho fiasco and how big of a shit show that was. So, Kalidou right. um, Koulibaly could come around 30 million, 35 million. I know he's 30 years old, but 30 is the new 25 for center backs. Thiago Silva's 37 going on 38, and he looks fantastic. Koulibaly, again, he's not at the level of Thiago Silva, but he is a world-class top-five center back, and he has been for the last five to seven seasons. I beg anybody to argue with me. So, um, obviously, led Napoli to uh, you know qualifying for the Champions League this season. De Laurentiis does want to um, you know, get rid of some of the older players on the team so he can sort of rebuild this new team around him. He already got rid of Lorenzo Insigne, who went to the MLS. He already uh, let Dries Mertens go. Kaladu Koulibaly's only going to be next. So I think if we could get a deal for him around 30 to 35, great. Um, if they're going to go ahead and ask 45 to 50, it might be a little bit too much. Um, but even at that point, if I'm Chelsea, you're looking at this guy and saying, okay, out of all these signings that we're going to sign, this is probably one of the two sure things that we can bring in who will be an instant upgrade on the squad. And this is also somebody, Andres, who's worn the armband many times before. Familiarity with with uh, with uh, Edouard Mendy, obviously have that Senegal connection. They won the AFCON together. So you know that they can succeed when they're partnered together in a back four. And, w- and what's our one criticism of Mendy was – his inability to sort of bark at that front, uh, bark in front of the four people in front of him when he first came in, he still sort of struggles with that a little bit, of course, because of the language barriers and all that. But you bring in a guy like Koulibaly, I mean, you only got to say one word to him and he'll understand everything Mendy's trying to say. So that would be a fantastic signing. And honestly, out of all the signings I mentioned so far, this is the most exciting one for me if I'm Chelsea. Um, so. Koulibaly and Koundé to replace AC and Rudiger, who are obviously on the out. Um, I mentioned that Malang Sar is also going to be sold or loaned in this situation. So in that case, to replace him as a squad player, you bring in Levi Colwell. And then you and then you bed him in slowly. Now you're going to say, Zach, 
He's a young player. Why would you want to bring him in if he's hardly going to play? Because you want to protect these young players when they first come in. You want them to be able to go out there, play a match, make mistakes, sit for three, four matches, watch the guy ahead of him do the right things, and then learn from that. And then when he comes in again during another cup match, he could slowly improve and build performances from there. And who's to say that he can't break his way into the first team, guys? Trevor Chalaba did that last year. So it's not go. It's not without saying, hey, this guy's going to come in and you know he's just not going to get any playing time. No, he can damn well play his way into the first team. He was one of Hutterfield's best players this season. And I, I don't know if they announced it yet, Andres, but he, is he going to win Young Player of the Year for Huddersfield? Or do you know if he has? Uh, I'm not sure. I know he was injured for quite a while. So I, uh, I, yeah, that might rule him I, out. I didn't really watch after he got hurt, so. Yeah, but, you know, for, for everybody that's thinking, well, you said you're going to get rid of Belong Sar, Levi Colwell is the, is the obvious person that you bring in yeah. um, to cover there. And if you don't want to bring in Colwell, you bring in Ampadu. There's another guy that could come in and slot in and, you know, be a serve a really good purpose on this team. I think that's somebody that Tuchel would actually want to take another look at. So moving up the pitch. Midfield. CDM. This is the sure thing signing. I mentioned Koulibaly was one. This is the second. Declan Rice. There's really no other option for me. I know the Chulameni rumors are still out there. Uh, Sangare rumors came out there. Anybody that plays foot knows who Sangare is because you probably have his team of the season in your squad somewhere. Um, but I'm not interested in those names. I'm interested in Declan Rice. Chelsea youth product. Chelsea fan. And honestly, Andres, this is somebody that could come in and be a captain. I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that he could come into this Chelsea side and just completely control the middle of the pitch for us and be that loud, vocal English voice in the middle of the pitch um, that kind of directs and points everybody around. Now, Reese James, Mason Mount, those are obviously other names that come into the fray. You bring in a guy like Koulibaly, you're probably going to give him some sort of leadership role as well. But with a Declan Rice you're bringing in a player that has arguably been the best DM in England for the last season, season and a half. He, he's young. He has European experience as of this year. And he's also a big game player. Every time we've played West Ham, when Declan Rice has started, he's been phenomenal. And every honestly, every time I've watched West Ham this season, for the most part, he's been phenomenal. And, you know, he's already working with another center midfielder that's defensive-minded in Thomas Suchek. Um, so if you partner him with a guy like N'Golo Conte, who's to say that can't work? You could partner him with a Kovacic who can literally partner with anybody in, in World Cup. <laughs> who's to say that can't work? You could partner him with a Connor Gallagher with a Mason Mount. Who's to say that can't work? You could even partner him with an RLC. You know why? Because this is a guy that does not vacate the middle of the pitch. He will fill the exact hole that we need. And guess what? If we get injuries, if we need to rotate, he could also slot into the back line also. And that's another big plus. I've been the one that's say, I, I mean, I've been saying this for a while now, and I'm still standing by it. I still think his long-term future is at center back. I think eventually he's going to wind up being a center back. Um, but bring him in now. He's one of the best DMs in world football. He'll serve a purpose. And if he does spend the rest of his career at DM, great. Now we have him on the squad. The only issue is the price. Right. Do you think he's worth 150? What do you, what do you think we can wiggle that number down to? West Ham's not getting 150 for him. They're out of their fucking minds. They just offered him a $200,000 contract, and he declined it. Um, an eight-year contract. An eight-year, $200,000 a week contract. Yeah, they set him for life. You know, his kids' kids could have been good after signing this deal, <laughs> but he chose not to. So that only tells you one thing. I don't see him going to United. I don't even see him entertaining the United move. United's I really don't see him entertaining. to Frankie Young anyway. Exactly, exactly. I mean, they're trying to get the Ajax boys back together. I just don't see him negotiating with any other English club. And to be honest with you, I don't think the rest of Europe is looking at Declan Rice the same way we are. I think the rest of Europe is is more, is more looking more at the Chuameni type or the Sangare yeah. type. So this would be the ideal signing. To answer your question, no, it won't be 150. It'll probably be closer to 100. I think if we can pull this deal off for 80 to 90, it would be a fucking steal. Um, but of course, I can definitely see that going up upwards of 100 million. So Declan Rice, he's going to solve our CDM problems. Two more players here on my list, Andres. Um, this is probably the flashiest name on my list, Christopher Nkunku. Now, I mentioned 
Timo Werner's on the out. What better solution for Timo than get him back to the place that got him started? I mean, I mean obviously not Stuttgart, but RB Leipzig, right? Um, the squad is still pretty much the same besides their center backs that they all decided, you know, they decided to sell all of them last summer. Um, so it'll be pretty much a similar side that Timo will be stepping back into. But for Nkunku, for everybody, and I've been seeing this a lot, for everybody that thinks Nkunku will be Timo 2.0, that you have not watched him play football. It's that simple. Timo doesn't have a touch, and Kunku has all the touch you can ask for. He's as silky smooth as, as you get when it comes to a footballer. He has the flips. He has the tricks. Um, he can play out wide. He can play up the middle. He's even been deployed as a center forward at times. And Andres, I think this is the perfect strike partner for Akai Havertz. Perfect. Perfectly ideal. You want someone that's silky smooth. You want someone that's able to link up play. But you also want to fulfill that sort of quote-unquote goal-scoring winger role. And Nkunku doesn't just score goals, he creates assists. I think he has more direct goal contributions in the Bundesliga this season than he does appearances. So it's not like he's having... uh, I think he, on all competitions, is pushing for 50 total goal contributions. 50, not 15. Unbelievable. If Kareem Benzema wasn't doing what he's doing... And, you know, he, he would probably be one of the names thrown up there with, I mean, he would be up there with the Mo Salas in terms of numbers. He would be up there with the Lewandowskis. So this is a guy that can, that can come in and be an absolute force. PSG is stupid to get rid of him. And funnily enough, they got rid of him under Tuchel's, uh, under Tuchel's you know, management. Whether or not Tuchel had anything to do that beside the point, the guy is who he is now. And we've seen him perform in the Champions League. We've seen him perform in the Bundesliga in big matches. He's sort of, you know, I know it's a cliche, but he's inevitable. He's one of those players where it's just inevitable that he's going to give you that moment of brilliance or that moment of magic. So if we want to bring someone into the team that's going to sort of be that game changer, the sort of Luis Diaz effect, right, that Liverpool had by signing him, and Kunku's that person for us. I think we could get we can get him somewhere around sixty million. I know Leipzig's trying really hard to sign him because there's no release clause on him. Um, but if we can do a sort of a swap deal with Werner, maybe throw in another 40, 35, 40 million on top of it just to sweeten it up, it would be a no-brainer um, for Leipzig to get rid of him at that point because you look around the rest of Europe, Real Madrid, PSG, Bayern Munich, all linked with him. So these are the big boys. Why would he stay at Leipzig next year if you could basically guarantee yourself one trophy by picking any of the other teams? Just take your pick. <laughs> yeah, and Kuku definitely a hot name right now, being arguably the best player this season in the Bundesliga. Not the best Bundesliga player, but the yeah. best one this season for sure. And, and you're thinking about playing him as a part of the front three. I will get into that, but... Okay. Um, he would basically be a replacement for Timo Werner and okay. Lukaku. He, he, he would, I would deploy him as a central focus of our attack. Him and Kai Havertz would be the two guys that you build any attack around. Got it. Last Who's but not next? least, you're going to love this, Usman Dembele. Now, okay, okay. leading La Liga in assists, I think he only has 20 appearances. So far, and he's already leading. It's ridiculous. Um, two-footed player. Like a lot of the players I mentioned on this list, you know, Perisic, Serginio Dest, Nkunku, now Usman Dembele. Those are four players that could play in multiple positions. Even Declan Rice, if you want to throw him in there. Right? Multiple positions, very versatile. I think this is where Usman Dembele comes in. Obviously, he has that freak pace to get in behind back lines, but his ability to pick out a final pass is unparalleled, and we've seen that in La Liga so far. The guy has been unplayable, easily Barcelona's best player for the second half of the season, and honestly, I would credit him with the sort of resurgence that they're having right now um, under Xavi. So I know his situation's a little complicated, 
pulling this deal off might be a little bit more difficult than the other deals I mentioned, especially with the news coming lately that Xavi actually wants to keep him and that Barca does plan on sitting with him to see what they can do to try and retain him. Um, but from what my understanding, he's on huge wages. Obviously, Barcelona's trying to rebuild. They want to bring in Lewandowski. If you have to pick between the two guys, it's a no-brainer. If you're Barca, you go after Lewandowski when a player like that's available. So could he be on the move? Yes. Am I as confident of pulling off this deal as much as I am about an Nkunku or a Kunde or a Sancho or a Sandro, excuse me? Maybe not. But this is a guy that could come in and replace Ziyech. Um, you know, if he stays healthy, we'll never see Cho again. Um, you know, the supplementation that he can add to the squad would just be insane. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think many fans, I I think people will try to throw in the injury history there, but on a free transfer, the way he's been playing, he's been staying on the pitch. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to argue with that choice. Yeah. Yeah. And let's not forget, he enjoyed his best years at Dortmund under Tommy T. Yeah. Tuchel was the one that, that basically broke him out as a player. And Tuchel did say in one interview earlier this year, right before he came here, that the most talented player he's ever managed was Usman Dembele. So. Who was quoted as saying Usman Dembele is more talented than Mbappe? Somebody said I that. I think it year. was Tuchel. I no. think. Was it someone on Bar? I thought it was someone on Barca. Why can I totally imagine like Umtiti saying that or something? It was Barca president. It oh was, yeah, uh, Laporta. Of course. The guy trying to sign <laughs> Dembele. Oh, of course. So, does that close out your your window? That does close out my window. Um, obviously, we have. I don't see. Huh? I don't see. A, I don't see a Connor Gallagher. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. That's what I was going to get to. Yeah. Okay, In terms okay, of okay, okay. Loney's coming back. Okay. Um, we, two strikers departed. You bring back Broja. Okay. I think Broja can not necessarily start every game because ideally you'd like to have Kai and Nkunku or Kai and Nkunku starting up there. But if you ever play a two-striker formation, Broja is tailor-made for it. He's aggressive. He's quick. He loves to press high. He's a ruthless finisher. He wants to get on the end of things. And he's a shithouser, man. We fucking need that, especially now that we're losing Rudiger. I think his shithousing aspect cannot be discounted coming into this team. We saw what the effect of having a Diego Costa-like striker does up top. DDA Drogba, too. A player that doesn't openly shithouse that much, but a big, strong, physical presence. Just no bullshit, no nonsense. Flying into tackles, flying into challenges. Fearless. There's no center back too big for him or too tough for him. Can you tell that I like him? <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think he's I think he's tailor made for for Tommy Tuchel football. Um, and of course, you know Southampton wants to retain him. Um, West Ham was interested in possibly signing him. Also, when is West Ham not interested in signing one of our youth strikers? Um, right. But somebody that could come in and again not hit the ground running, but he can supplement the squad. He's played in the Premier League before. We know he can score goals. This isn't a signing that we, or not a signing, but this isn't a player that we bring back and expect to start every game the first year or two. But this is somebody that we can bring back and maybe see as a long-term partner for Akai Havertz, or maybe as a long-term partner for an Nkunku, or maybe even just grow into this player, which I think eventually he could be, grow into this striker that can lead the line on his own. So Armando Broja, no-brainer. Number two, Connor Gallagher, no-brainer as well. Um, player of the season at Palace can arguably win Young Player of the Season this year. If it wasn't for Crystal Palace's necessity for him to drop deeper, I think he probably would have won it. Um, but again, this season has been phenomenal. Scoring goals, um, getting fouled in the box. I think he, I think he got fouled. I think he created three pens. Right this season, did he get fouled in the box three separate occasions or create penalties two or three times? Very very detailed stat. I don't know. Yeah, but 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 I know he did it back to back weeks um, early on in the season. I know that for a fact, so all the fact checkers can fuck off. But I know for a fact he did that. Um, But again, could play the eight, could play the ten, could drop deeper and play in a pivot if he needs to. Physically, he looks ready. 
um, his pressing and his work rate are probably his most impressive attributes. You know, he's he's Mason Mount. He's another Mason Mount type of player, except I think Connor Gallagher is more naturally a box-to-box type as opposed to Mason Mount, who, granted, when he came in, I th- you know I still think he's a box-to-box type of player in the long run, but he seems to be more attack-focused and attack-minded. Maybe that's out of necessity, who knows? But Connor Gallagher, um, no-brainer for me. You bring him in. Yes, maybe he doesn't start every game. Declan Rice, Kovacic, Mount, they still get in over him. But this could easily be our fourth midfielder off the bench. And who's to say that he can't force his way into a starting 11? Now, it doesn't even have to be in midfield, Andres. If we decide to play a 4 triple 2 he could play as one of those attacking camps. He can be in a more advanced role and feel comfortable there as well. So, again, versatility. Tuchel loves that. And Connor Gallagher is only going to add to the versatility in the squad. So, Connor Gallagher, sure thing. We're finally going to have him and Mason Mount in the team at the same time. Um, so I'm sure Chelsea fans will be happy about that. Um, there's one other name on this list, or two other names that I'm adding to my squad. I'm adding Levi Colwell, which I already mentioned earlier. He's going to be replacing Malongsar. I think he'll actually get playing time if we do retain him this season. The other name that I'm going to be mentioning, Ethan Ampadu. I think this is a player that Tuchel would love to have in the team. Especially if you can't get a Serginio Des, if you can't find cover at right back, Ampadu could easily play there. Um, he could play as a center back. He's more than comfortable doing that. Whether that's on the right, left, or in the center of that back three, comfortable doing all three. Could play as a CDM. He's a Wales international. He's played as a midfielder for the Welsh national team. He's also played as a center back for the Welsh national team. Pretty sure he's played as a fullback for them as well. So, again, that versatility, I think that's something that Tuchel is going to be looking at this season because, again, we're not going to be committing to one system. We're only we're, – we're going to be playing in many different shapes this season, and I think having these guys that could do all these different roles and fill all these different roles, they're just going to help them. So, Ethan Ampadu, I'd bring back. Now, you're probably asking, what happens with Billy Gilmore? I think okay. Billy Gilmore needs another loan. I don't think he played enough this uh, this season um, for me to feel confident enough for him to come in next season and have the Chelsea career that we're all expecting him to have. This isn't saying that I don't want Gilmore in the squad. Of course I want him in the team. But I want the best version of Billy Gilmore. And if that's going to take another season or two to get that out of him, then so be it. I think another loan to another Premier League team will do him justice. I think we should completely avoid any potential relegation sides or yo-yo sides. He needs to go to a mid-table club. He needs to have a positive experience in the Premier League where he could sort of harvest his talent and grow as a player like a Conor Gallagher did, like an Armando Broja did. We just have to be smarter about his loan. Still a big fan of the kid, though. I think I think his long-term career is at Chelsea. Um, another name that's not mentioned here that Chelsea fans have been asking about is Ian Matson, left back. Um, the reason why I didn't include him in the squad here, and I would have if Chilwell didn't tear his knee this past season. If Chilwell wasn't coming off of a major injury like he is, I'd say, fuck yeah, let's bring in a youth player to rotate on that left side. He can play one every five matches, six matches, and he'll be and he'll be good for us. Um, but because I'm expecting our backup left back or wing back, however you want to put it, to be playing a lot this year, I would rather go for someone more experienced like an Alexandro. You know, I know he's 31, but you're going to get two or three solid years out of him for sure. Same thing goes for Perisic, who's showing no signs of slowing down. So, again, it's not a be- it's not a negative on Matson. I'm not down on him. He's a fantastic player. I know there's interest from Dortmund possibly looking at him. Um, maybe that's a loan that you can explore and see how he develops there. Maybe you attach a... Uh, uh, an optional fee with that loan, who knows? I would prefer not to because I want to see more of the kid. All indications are showing that he's going to win young player this season at Coventry, which is where he's been on loan. So why pull the trigger and sell him this early? I think this is a clear-cut loan. Um, the last name that I'm that I'm going to mention, uh, Tino Andrin, um, didn't include him on this list. Um, I know he's been a part of Tuchel's team before, um, you know, Tuchel has, has actually used him too, um, which says a lot about what he might think of him. But again, 
like Billy Gilmore, he just needs to have a positive experience and a positive season. Now you're saying, Zach, you want to bring back Ampadu. He didn't have a positive season. Ampadu still played every game. Billy Gilmore didn't. Tino Andrin didn't. That's the difference. And again, the versatility comes in as well. I know Andrin could play pretty much anywhere across the front three, but we're going to be so deep in those positions if we pull all these signings off where he won't get any playing time. And guess what? If you're going to drop him deeper, you already have somebody with the same profile as him and Ruben Loftus-Cheek who Tuchel clearly trusts. So unfortunate, but like Billy Gilmore um, and, uh, and you know, just like uh, Ian Matson, I think they need a positive Premier League loan just so we can see what these guys are really made out of before we make our final decision on them. So that pretty much rounds it off for all the loanies. If you're wondering about Saul, I didn't mention him because I don't give a fuck about him. Um, send him back. Send him back. All right, Zach. So we've got our team built. Let's see. Let me look at my notes one last time. You brought in $190 million. It looks like we spent about... Closer to 300 three. 300 million, give or take. Not bad. I think that that, again, is it doable? Yes. And you're our DOF, so you made it happen. Now, how are we playing? Let's finish this out with what is Tuchel doing with these players? What is our system? What are you changing? Who is your best 11? So, um, I think there's only two ways to play going into next season. Um, uh, actually false, but I'll give you my two strongest because I keep saying versatility is key because we're not just going to see one formation all season long. I think the back three is here to stay. I think especially if we don't have an out and out center forward in the team, the back three probably should stay. So, um, with our new signings, I probably line the team up in a three, five, two or three, four, one, two, however you want to put it. And it goes a little something like this. Kaladu Koulibaly, obviously you have Mendy in goal. You have Koulibaly playing in the center of that back three. You have Koundé on the left and Chalaba on the right. If you need cover, you got Thiago Silva to cover in the middle. You got Colwell who could cover on the right-hand side. And then Ampadu who could cover in probably any of those positions. So you do have decent coverage there. So I'll, also draw- I'll, I'll stop you there for one second. I think yeah. Colwell's left-footed. So I think Colwell would cover in Cole this situation the- for Koundé in your yeah. back three and... Uh, Ampadu for Chalaba. There we go. Yeah, that sounds better. I didn't even know he was a lefty, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a good thing. Gavardial who? We have Colwell, guys. Um, anyways, going to the wing backs, you have Reese and Chilwell. One and two. No brainers. Um, if you need cover in those positions, you could throw Dest as a right wing back. <sighs> Please, everybody, forgive me for saying this, but you can also play Cho out there if you absolutely need to. Um, because because Tuchel just likes playing him there. But if we have Reese and Dest out there, no reason to see Cho. Absolutely none whatsoever. Um, on the left-hand side, the cover for Chilwell speaks for itself. You got Alexandro, who's, uh, his, his reputation is, 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 is as good as it gets in European football. And then you got Ivan Perisic, who was fantastic as a left-wing back for Inter Milan this season. Um, maybe if you want to go a bit more attacking some games, maybe... In this case, you could afford to sit Chilwell and play a guy like a Perisic. You know, if uh, if Chilwell gets fatigued or picks up an injury somewhere along the way, you bring in a guy like Alexandro, I am more than happy to use someone like him for a long-term spell if we need to. I'd be more than comfortable, way more comfortable than using a Marcus Alonso. So win-win situation for us in that, in, in, in that scenario. Going to the midfield, now this is where it gets kind of dicey. Do you line up with two pivots and a 10? Do you line up with a more traditional midfield three where you have a six and two eights? Um, whichever way you want to put it, the six is going to be Declan Rice. That simple. No brainer. Okay. No brainer there. Um, Ngolo Conte, probably the best backup CDM of all time if he becomes a backup CDM next season. Um, moving forward, you got Kovacic, our best out and out midfielder. No complaints there. And then you have Mason Mount. Rotation could go 
any way you want in those positions. You could throw Connor Gallagher in one of those advanced positions. You could throw RLC in one of those advanced positions. You can throw Conte to cover for Declan. You could even throw Ampadu to cover for Declan. You could even throw Conte or Ampadu to accompany Declan to sit on a lead and just make the game <laughs> impossible to play. If you guys aren't catching on already, bringing back Ampadu is purely for the John Obi Mikel role. That is why I want him in my team. I want to use him the same way Antonio Conte did. You bring him on, he goes flying into challenges, he fucks people up whenever he goes into a tackle, he always comes out winning the ball, he's nice and tidy on it, why not? Um, up top, Nkunku and Kai, easy. Um, backups, Armando Broja, natural striker, no-brainer there. And the other one, Andres, criticism early in the season, but Christian Pulisic can play a supporting role. The champion, the the Champions League final, the FA Cup final that we just watched, before we got on air, we both admitted he was the best player in that game for us. He created the most. So who's to say that he can't continue doing that in this scenario? So three four uh, three five two three four one two, however you want to put it. If you want to play with a traditional ten, you could throw Mount there um, and have Kovacic and Declan playing the pivots. Guys, you could even play Broja, Kai, and Nkunku all at the same time if you want to. If you want to switch things up from there, you pull off a midfielder, you bring on a guy like Usman Dembele, and you could run a 3-4-3 with traditional wingers. And then you just have – imagine a right-hand side, the service that would come from a right-hand side of Reese James and Usman Dembele. <laughs> just unreal. The other option that I have, Andres, is moving to a back four. Now, I was leaning towards a back three, but I've actually been pretty happy with what I've seen from the four triple two or 4-4-2, however you want to put it. And I think if we pick up a guy like Nkunku, the 4 triple two is going to be perfect because this is somebody that can drop in. It could easily create and turn itself into a 4-2-3-1 or even a 4-3-3 if it needs to. So 4 triple two back four, starting at Koulibaly and Kunde. I'm sorry, Chalabino fans. Who's to say he can't get into that team? He probably, he definitely can. But Koulibaly, Kunde are starting. Reese on the right, Chilwa on the left. We already went over backup, so I don't want to get into it. But moving into the midfield, um, Declan Rice and Kovacic would be my two pivots. Now, that leaves you room for to bring on Connor Gallagher and Conte as impact subs. RLC, if you want to be a bit more direct. Ampadu, obviously, if you want a shithouse player that can just sit on a lead. Perfect. Uh, Declan and Kova there. Attacking tens. Mason Mount, Usman Dembele. Mason Mount, why? Because that's probably his best position right now. Usman Dembele. Why? Because if you give him a free roll to just kind of run wherever he wants to and pick out whatever passes he wants to, I feel like he can be probably the most dangerous player on the pitch. And yes, I'm fully aware I'm saying that with an Nkunku and a Kai Havertz also on the pitch at the same time. So Kuku and Kai Havertz up top, obviously they can work really well with each other. I mentioned it earlier. Either one of them can drop into the midfield and the other one could occupy the forward spaces and make them appropriate runs and, you know, create the goals and assists that they need to. So the 4 triple two is the way to go for me. I think it's the most versatile. Could be a 4-2-3-1, could be a 4-3-3. And we've even seen some shades of 3-4-3. I mean, a, a, a 3-5-2 um, when initially deploying a 4-4-2. So sometimes it could look a little different than what it actually is. So my two formations, Andres, 3-5-2, 2 2 going into next season. I think Kai Havertz and Christopher Nkunku are going to lead the line for us and be absolutely phenomenal. Pulisic is going to answer all the questions that Chelsea fans have about him. <laughs> Declan Rice is finally going to be a Chelsea player. Koulibaly will finally be a Chelsea player. Um, and hopefully we can, uh, we can work our way to a Premier League. Now, just to kind of preface everything I just mentioned, we spent $300 million we had eight outgoing signings. We had eight incoming signings, plus bringing back these lone players. It's a lot. I get it. And is it realistic? Maybe not all of these moves are. <laughs> of course, right? But you want to be a Man City. You want to be a Real Madrid. You want to be a Bayern Munich. You know, you want to be a prime, prime Barcelona. Take your pick. They all have squad depth. Man City has 50 to 60 million pound attacking players riding the fucking bench. But guess what? They're winning leagues every single yep. season. So I think we need to mimic that. 
had the team with a ridiculous amount of talent. There is no predefined, this is our best starting 11 anymore. I think under Tuchel, it's not even a question we should be asking. The guy clearly wants to have options. He clearly wants to have versatility, and he wants to be able to play a certain way. So I think in order to do that, you have to pad the squad with players like this. And let's not forget, I'm the new owner. I just bought Chelsea Football Club. I want this team to succeed right off the bat because if they don't, I'm going to look like the stupid American that spent $3.5 billion on a team that doesn't win trophies. So you need to keep that ball rolling. You need to pick up, I need to pick up where Roman Abramovich left off with that winning mentality, spend money, bite the bullet, let Tuchel do his thing, and then all the rest of the success will come naturally. I think this is a match made in heaven, honestly. If we can pull all these deals off, there's no doubt in my mind, we can easily win the league next year. And Andres, those two starting 11s that I just mentioned to you can beat this Liverpool team and this Real Madrid team that are about to play in the Champions League final without question. Well, there you guys have it. DOF Sack is going to run a two-striker formation one way or another, whether it's a back three or a back four. Let us know what you guys think, what questions you may have of Zach's system. He can answer those through the Blues on Parade podcast Twitter page at Blues on Parade. But again, some of the clear things that I think you guys will be hearing if you listen to Salmonize is the same need for center backs, same need for cover for Ben Chilwell, and some sort of transformation in the midfield. You'll probably get a bit of variety. Again, we are not saying that this is the right move. We are all just putting on our, our DOF hats and play a bit of football manager FIFA with a little bit of realism in there. Zach sold before he could buy. And yeah, here we have it. He says we can win the league with, with this with this crew. And uh, guys, keep an eye out for both Sam and I's take of the director of football role. Those should all be coming out within days of each other. I know the season for Chelsea has been up and down and all over the place, but at least we can get excited for the first summer under under the Bully Consortium. And uh, when we release all the pods, we'll put out some polls to see which DOF you agree with most. Again, this is all just fun for us. And keep the discussions coming on Twitter, guys. Again, agree or disagree with us, let us know. We'll respond to your tweets. So, again, thank you for listening, and keep the blue flag flying high.